0: Hello and welcome back to the Performance Cycling Podcast. I'm Todd Norwood, here with my co-host Jason Hammond. Hey, how's it going? And again, we are joined by our guest, Matt McNamara. Yeah,
1: good afternoon.
0: So today we're going to talk about sort of beginner racing, getting into racing, and getting involved, sort of learning, learning the ropes, so to speak. Um, Matt and I have a little bit different experience, I think, from that from coaching perspective. I, I coach uh, high school athletes, and Matt has, I think, a little bit more diverse experience, especially with what he's done with USA cycling. So we'll, we'll dive into that and sort of work on how you get involved now coming out of the off season and how you, you know, how you can start to get into racing and what resources you might be able to tap to guide you.
2: Yeah. So, um, uh, basically this is intended for maybe people who are group riders or they've raced a little bit, haven't really gotten into it and they want to understand how they become, you know, that cat to ripping up the scene, um, but you know it's going to take a few years, and it's a slow progression. And we just want to talk about how you can get started, and you know what's the progression to riding safely, to surviving and not getting dropped, to potentially winning your race and upgrading.
0: Cool. So with that, I think I'll let let you start, Matt. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, well, thanks for uh, having me back for a second uh, episode. Hopefully, sure. hopefully this one is as high quality as the last one. Um, Beginner Racer Program uh, is a name that's just, that's come about with USA Cycling, but actually started in NorCal uh, with the Early Bird criteriums training series many years ago. I think Larry Nolan would say 33 years ago or 35 years ago or sometime long ago. Um, and for a long time, it sort of you know ran the same basic format. You come out and you know you ride around and, and try to get your early season fitness and get some experience, and then along the way um they started doing clinics for new riders and that's i got involved with it in about 2008 2007 maybe um just going out and helping you know run riders through a series of different drills and over time there was a core group of five of us uh instructors and coaches larry nolan me laurel green john cheatham and dan smith And we sort of developed the curriculum uh, over years that sort of took it uh, a little from um, sort of pretty basic to basic plus, where we made it, um, instead of doing sort of the same clinic every weekend, we actually made it a five-week progressive curriculum that starts with, you know, the basics of, in NorCal, we have bots dots. So we start with writing the bots dots and recognizing that hitting the bots dot does not mean you have to fall down. Uh, There's safe ways to do it. Moving that on to sort of small group riding, riding a straight line, learning spatial relationships. Then we move to cornering and a little bit more group activity where you're in close quarters racing um, or riding. We have riders do drills in the gutter where they're on the inside of the of the paceline, um, either moving forward or backwards. Again, they're sort of they evolve over the course of four or five lessons. Um, and eventually we took that to USA Cycling and um, they liked the idea. So we made it the national model for what's now the beginner racer program. And um, it's, we're lucky because NorCal is a unique environment for that. On any given Saturday or Sunday, excuse me, um, every Sunday in January. And actually this year, I think there's one in the first weekend in February also. Um, I think yesterday they had 170 or 180 new riders come out that are interested in racing and wanted to kind of get the feeling. If it's not interested in USA cycling racing, they just want to be comfortable in groups, right? There's a lot of, you know, gravel and Fondo events where you're kind of put in the middle of a big group, especially at the start, and everyone's hyped up and trying to go fast, and there's an inherent danger. So cross over to other sports beyond just the racing component. Getting people into an environment where they're thinking, you know, 360-degree awareness, what's going on around me? Not making, you know, excessive moves, right? The filter effect that if a guy, 10 riders in front of me moves six inches, by the time it filters back to me, I'm going to move four or five feet. Um, and just trying to waste that spatial awareness and, and good decision-making for riders. So that's the crux of what the BRP does. And again, we're super lucky. So if you happen to be in NorCal or Southern California has um, a beginner racer programming program going, I believe the Central Valley has one. And um, I know a number of other states cause we certify coaches with USA cycling. Uh, and so there's at least 25 or 30 other certified coaches, maybe more than that, um, that can teach this curriculum. And you can look up their if they have that certification, you can find on the USA cycling website, find that guy and they can teach you. If you're, you know, I was talking to a kid the other day, I don't know if it's a kid or not, but, um, on Facebook and he was lamenting, there's no sort of development program in his area. Um, and you know, he's raced, it seems like he's raced a ton, like, I think he said he had, I don't know, over a hundred starts and still has terrible technique and all the stuff. And, you know, he's, he's just desperate to get something better, but he can't find anything in his area. And, you know, it's, it's hard to give that guy advice if there's no community. So we're super lucky here, but the fundamentals apply. So you can actually, there's, um, a number of different guys that do some pretty good videos about some of it. I don't know if there's a BRP specific, uh, video series, which maybe there will be, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a progressive curriculum that's easy to, easy to adapt and, you know, what does a wheel touch mean? And so we do static drills and rolling drills and all this stuff. And um, like I said, over 10 or 15 years that I've been with it, it's, it's like 150 or 200 people every week that come out. And year after year, you know, a lot of people return and do the same thing over, but not they don't all take the clinics over. So it's a clinic and then you can actually race right afterwards. And they're non-result-oriented races. They just don't take the results at the end uh, for USA Cycling. So the guy that runs it does a ton of events out here for Velo Promo. And he was nice enough to sort of build his day around having two clinics, 9.30 and 12.45. They're about an hour each. Um, And over five weeks, you can cover a lot of ground. It's really fun.
2: I think the big takeaway with new racers and the whole idea of the program is um, getting you to be able to safely navigate the pack. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, especially with the rise of indoor training and Zwift and everyone's got a program, or everyone's got an ERG based, you know, Watts based something to do. So people come out and they're really strong, but that doesn't translate to success unless you have the soft skills of knowing how to turn the bike and how to anticipate and how to not run into the guy in front of you and just little stuff. You know, it's, it's um as Larry Nolan would like to say, it's drinking from a fire hose. Um, which is, you know, it's it's kind of a funny analogy, and it's true, uh, but it is a lot of stuff that you have to deal with in a small amount of time that's quickly overwhelming. If if fitness is already mm-hmm. putting you on the fence, mm-hmm. then throw some variables in there, like you know, gravel on the corner and mayhem yeah. ensues. So the um,
2: the idea here is, you know, I just got my license. I show up to my first race. There's a Cat Five uh, mm-hmm. race, and I get blown out of the race or i crash or um you know the race doesn't go very well for me and uh some of these people who have these experiences don't ever show up for another race Mm -hmm. and this is a pathway for cyclists to learn and understand better and get connected with the community so they don't disappear and they don't feel disconnected after one race. Well,
1: and that's one of the things where I, I want to hear f- uh, from Todd on the mountain bike, high school mountain bike perspective too, is, you know, high school mountain bike does a great job of building that community with the athletes and NorCal does a pretty good job of making people feel inclusive. Cycling, road cycling is in itself sort of elitist and sort of isolationist, but I've seen with the high school model, for example, how they integrate and, and we just try to do it with, with the road stuff by getting everyone on the same page experientially. But I'd be curious to see what um, what you guys do for community and, and keeping that involvement.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's different about high school uh, is like with you roadside, like say, so it's this isolationist thing. You're, it's this individual sport. Like, yes, you can have a team and be part of a team. Uh, high school, we sort of have this thing that we borrow from other high school sports. It's like, oh, this is part of a team, right? It's like you're on the swimming team or you're on the baseball team. You're on the mountain biking team at your high school. Or in, in our case, it's a composite team of, you know, several high schools mm-hmm. that have come together. And so I think there there's just that aspect when you put this word to it that you like, oh, I'm, I'm in high school. Like I have friends that are on the football team or basketball team or track team. So there's this social thing that you do, right? That's right. part of it. And I think that's very powerful that when you're an adult maybe you don't have the advantage of it's (laughs) just it's just a little bit different um, different um, that that we can we can take advantage of but then beyond that it's very structured like okay well we're we're having practice like yes we don't we do writing and it is for the purpose of training to some extent but it's very much we call it practice right and we're we're coming out we set that mindset around okay we're going to practice and part of practice is We're going to work on these specific skills today. So I think like you have a five week curriculum for the criteriums, we have a, you know, many months long and we have specific aspects that we'll work on. And I think two of the unique things that we do is to keep the riders engaged is, you know, especially once we get into the race season, we'll always reflect back after the races. So, okay, what, what were your challenges in the race today? And then what things from that? should we work on as a team in practice next week? Right. right. Like, will we let the riders inform the process of the next week. Like, Oh yeah, there were a lot of cor- corners on this course. And I felt like I was breaking too much. Like, okay, great. We're going to work. That's going to be integrated into practice this next week. Um, and then the other part that I think is, is great, especially for the just development of young people is we'll take the more experienced riders, right? If there's a, a guy that's just amazing or gal that's just amazing at cornering like, Hey, you heard your peers were talking about they had trouble cornering. You actually you did really well because you corner well. You're mm-hmm. leading that. You're gonna teach these other riders, you know, the the aspects of cornering this week with the coach. Right. Like you're gonna co-lead that that aspect of the practice. In some
1: regards, that's for me, that sort of harkens yeah. back to sort of the classic club road club model. That's that's unfortunately sort of there's some clubs that hang on and again, NorCal, we're really lucky. We have, you know, San Jose and Los Gatos and Mike's Bikes is a big program and you know, that are that are fundamental clubs. Um, where you look at some of the older ones, uh, Alto Velo, Penn Velo, San Jose, Fremont, that are, you know, mainstays in the community because there's a club behind it, but then the race program is exactly that. It's, it's the old experienced guys coming in and trying to help show the, the new guys what to do. And so we try to foster that by, with the early birds here, we have a lot of mentors that come out and volunteer their time to adhere to the curriculum, but also sort of provide their own take and their own interaction with the riders, uh, you know, because if there's, 50 riders in your group, and you have you know two coaches, it's not enough. So, we bring in a couple of mentors and we try to get that pretty close to that one to six ratio mm-hmm. so that there's time for everyone to have personal interaction and get that that positive feedback loop. So, you don't go to the race, get your butt kicked, no one said hi to you, and you got a flat tire, you know, and you're like, I want to do that, that's no fun. So, we try to build that community. I think you brought up mountain biking as a high school sport it's sort of built in for that, but, but I think the club environment can hopefully reemerge when in that realm. Um, because I, I see, you know, like right now there's a big disparity between a lot of good junior programs in the U S big gap to the U 23s. And to get the, that next tier of guys, unless you're in the top 10 or 15, that get to go to national team events in Europe and race the world, world cups. Um, you know, you're sort of hoping for someplace to land. So, you know, We'd like to see some of the clubs be able to step up and do composites or you know, clubs step up and help keep a race like Cats Hill running just by getting the clubs involved and getting people involved in, in maintaining that um, that history, that shared history that NorCal has. Um, those are the things we hope to carry on. And I, again, I think mountain biking is such a natural crossover point that it's frustrating that Nika and USA Cycling can't seem to come on any sort of agreeable terms. The, the end product is the same. You want to put people on bikes and have them have fun. So I wish they could bridge that gap for whatever reason someone's not flexible i don't know
2: so say there's someone who you know they do group rides maybe or maybe they don't and they're interested in bike racing um how do they say they're not in norcal they don't have access to early birds what's the best uh, course of action to to get into the community and um survive their first cat five race and uh, make it into the cat fours cat threes
1: is moving to belgium an option
2: uh well i don't think they have cat fives they have a different uh it's all right. you
1: can system. still yep, start somewhere um what's a good idea um i think i i go back to the the foundation of most communities have some kind of a ride or some kind of a group somewhere whether it's through a local shop or through a meetup or word of mouth you know every place i've been in the u.s there's some group ride that gets together and, you know, bike racers are inherently into sort of trying to beat themselves and each other up. So they end up together. I would say talk to the shop and, and find what the local scene is. You know, check Strava. Uh, everyone's in Strava now. See what the most popular roads in your area are on the heat map. And, you know, go ride those mm-hmm. roads if you're looking for somebody. Or ride those trails if it's off-road. Um, you know, get into the racing itself. It can be intimidating because you have to get a license. But you can do a one-day license and try bike racing out for, I think it's 10 or $15 for a one-day license. It would apply to your annual license if you turn around and got an annual license, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great chance to come out. But again, it's there's an intimidation factor where if a new racer comes to a race and they have no experience, um, it's a great idea for them to sort of sit at the back of the field and just watch and, and try to learn what happens rather than feeling like... You know, I'm here to race and I'm going to show everyone how fast I am and I'm going to go right to the front and, you know, if you've never been there and have no idea, you're going to find yourself, A, getting tired really fast and, B, possibly making mistakes that cause accidents. So observe, talk to other people, you know, get to know. It's it's insular in that, you know, there's a sort of elitist, but everyone's also pretty friendly and outgoing as far as helping any rider figure where to go for sign-ups or how to pin their number on.
0: Yeah, I think that the bike shop, that that community aspect, right, is – it's just a, such a huge resource. I mean, I know when I moved down for uh, graduate school to LA, I had no idea where to find people, and like that's so I, like found a bike shop. I'm like, so tell me where the tell mm-hmm. me where the rides are, right? Like, people ride on weekends, people ride during the week. Right. When does that happen? And uh, it's just a, such a great resource, right? Because I got a list. Like, I walked out of the bike shop and was like, oh yeah, there's a fast ride this day. There's a you know there's a casual long ride this day. Like, here's where you go. Here's what time. There's where you meet them. Uh, so I think you know, using that as a, a resource and getting to know folks—I guarantee you—they they know where it's happening and they know the people.
1: And there, yeah, there's a niche for right. If you want to be a casual rider, you may end up in you know something more like Western Wheelers or more of a, a casual club ride. You try a bunch of different things out, and hopefully, one of them fits. And you know, it's great for those of us that like racing if it happens to be in the racing community because mm-hmm. racing is fun.
2: And uh, what kind of skills would be the the basic? skills for someone who's interested in racing you know i i would say my personal opinion is you probably shouldn't race in your first year of riding uh, because there is already so much to learn about riding even by yourself riding in a group descending cornering there's a lot to it and i think throwing in other people who want to take your space and want to beat you to the line into learning how to corner and learning how to descend and other you know, uh, essential skills of being a cyclist that adds a lot of total intensity to what you have to learn. But, um, say someone's been group riding for a year and they say, Hey, I'm going to try out this racing thing. Some of these cool guys in my group rides are smashing me every week and and I want to learn how to race and I want to get good like them. Um, what, what kind of, you know, bare minimum specs are we talking about?
1: Well, you're going to need five watts a kilogram to start. No, it's, I think it's, I think it's, it's somewhat, it's, I think it's the nerve to do it, you know. To the skills wise, you should probably be able to stop the bike, turn the bike, move the bike, make quick decisions. Um, if you can expedite your learning by speaking completely selfishly here, hiring a coach for an afternoon. Are,
2: are you a coach, Matt?
1: I am. In fact, <laughs> yes, an excellent coach. Some say excellent. Um, you know, you can hire a lot of coaches locally for X dollars for a half a day. To go and learn those skills, you know, most mm-hmm. coaches I know have some sort of a clinic format where they can they can work with individual riders or a little bit bigger group. If you've got two friends and you guys want to get together, you can cover a lot in afternoon. That will have you a lot safer in a race. I think if there's a basic set of skills, it's it's mostly um, paying attention mm-hmm. is maybe the biggest skill because people do obvious things and you can start to tell when they're going to start like turn in front of you. You can kind of see it coming if, you, if you're if you paying attention. So, um, stopping and paying attention. I, I think I, that, go, that awareness think
0: that? that awareness in the pack, the awareness yeah, of what you people think that are doing, covers them, the basics. Doing <laughs> the re- oh, that's just so important, right? If, you, if you've ridden in the pack, that's one thing, but it's like the attentiveness and sort of being able to anticipate based on somebody's body movements. And I don't know, that, that maybe comes with more experience, but just having some understanding of like, okay, well, what's the minimum set of kind of obvious things that are going to happen here? right Right. we're going into a left corner what are the obvious things that are going to happen to for everybody to turn left
2: well so but i think that's really i'm glad you brought up cornering because i was about to bring it up anyway it's so interesting that if you are brand new to cycling this idea of if i'm on the inside and there's two people on my left and we are making a right turn i i have to stay as close to the curb as possible because there's two people who will I will run into if I don't stay really tight.
0: Well, there's two people that want to make a very short line, if possible.
2: Yeah, and um, and then the middle person, you know, I have to not go too close, but I also can't go too wide. And the outer person, I don't want to go that wide. Sometimes some of the new riders, they like really take the corners wide. wide. Yeah, I mean, it's it is technically safer i guess except
1: uh, and then it's slower it's well safer it's again. it's
2: safer as in you won't be
1: with the group yeah it's
2: safer as in you're <laughs> away from everyone so you can't run into them except when someone that you didn't know someone was outside of you because the pack slowed down and you didn't realize someone was coming around you and then when you take that really wide corner you wipe them out or they wipe you out these sort of things i think that we take for granted because it's so intuitive to us we've we've all had so much experience but Trying to understand uh, the mind of a new rider and appreciating these things that they that aren't intuitive to someone who's not, you know, been in the sport for so long. I mean, that's a big incentive or reason for having the um, beginner racing program. Is let's put someone in the mind of a brand new rider and let's look at what that person you know doesn't find intuitive. And having enough experience to come up with a list of things that we should say intentionally to them.
1: Well, I think the easy, given that, the easy add to that is, right, we talk about anticipation, but the other one is predictability, right? So if an athlete comes into a situation and and asks, um, you know, we talk a lot about being a good wheel to follow and being a good person in the rotation and, you know, doing your work and all these things that are part of the culture, but they sort of stem from the idea of, you know, do no harm. I don't know anybody who wants to get in a race and intentionally screw other people up and cause trouble and, you know, cause accidents and make mistakes that, that have consequences. So recognizing when you get in that situation, you know, okay, so if I do this, what's the outcome for those around me, right? If I dive the corner and cut that guy off, it may be an advantage for me. Tactically, I may get an advantage and, you know, finish better than he does, but am I doing it in a manner that it puts him at risk? And that's sort of the, you know, the gentlemanly side for an old school term, gentlemanly side of racing that, again, comes with sort of being around people that have done it, but also comes from a self-awareness that says I both have to be anticipatory and I have to be a good, um, uh, predictable riding partner, right? So those two, to me, those mess really well. Mm -hmm. So good good transition, good segue, Jason.
0: I don't know. This is my perspective coming from like primarily mountain bike racing at first and then getting into crits and the the observation i always have as a mountain bike you get a little feedback from where your rear wheel is because it's bouncing around Mm. you're hitting rocks and rits. and i always felt that uh going to crits that riders didn't know where their bike ended right Right. so when you're going through a corner it's like well you know that you know it's like goes with this predictability thing it's like you know that your, your bike is not ended yet. Right. And you're like riding it and there's people around you. Um, and so like, <laughs> like, yes, hits. like I'm watching you and I'm next to you and I'm aware of this, but you're, you're riding, paying attention to the front, your front wheel and the person in front of you and not cognizant. Like there's a back end of your bike and a rear wheel there. That's a great like, one. just being aware like of your, your space and how much space you take up three dimensionally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great
2: one. Yeah. I think with the predictability stuff, it's, uh, it's both being predictable as in um, not moving side to side a lot, but also not uh, attacking really hard, except you're in the middle of the field. So, you know, uh, you, you see some riders who are newer and, you know, there's a little bit of space and they want to move up and they sprint into that space, but then they have to slam on the brakes to not, you know, slam into the rider in front of them. And then the, Slamming on the brakes then opens a gap, and and so you're moving really erratically, and you're making a lot of total movement. And uh, as you get better at riding, you you know you gently coast into that space, or everything's very smooth. And if you look at top level races, it's it's so fluid and flowing. And you look at the the lower races, and it's very choppy, that's erratic, and yeah. erratic. And that's the predictability stuff. Is um, at you as a rider, you have a responsibility to do things that other people expect you to do because that's how they can predict what you're going to do and they can react correctly and not crash into you. And, um, this is the sort of the, the big idea. I mean, we talked about crashes in the last episode a bit and some of the crashes are I I was holding my handlebars and then I wasn't holding my handlebars and those are a lot harder to avoid. Sometimes they just happen, but, the other type of crashes, which are really common, and this is something, a big thing with uh, new new racers is we don't want you to crash. Because if you crash, you won't come back and you won't realize how fun bike racing is. And a, a big reason that people crash is because either they can't predict what someone else is doing or someone else can't predict what they're doing. And, and that um, cognitive dissonance between the two riders is is what makes them go into each other.
1: Well, and, and the relationship of speed right? Uh, going fast in a corner is different. You know, three miles an hour is a lot of speed in a tight group. So, you know, riders that come in too fast are just, you know, they, they think the path forward is always more speed or, you know, I mean, we could go all day on, on the little things that, that people, the little nuances that they're going to learn, but that's why you go racing is to learn those things. And, you know, there's, I also think there's sort of an inherent, there's a risk profile, but there's also, it's part of the learning curve, right? There's the way you get to be where you're smooth and you know what you're doing and all this is trial and error, right? If, if, uh, if 10,000 hours is expertise, then, you know, everybody can use at least 2000 hours to become basically competent. Right. So that's a whole year of work if you work 40 hours a week. Right. Hmm. So it takes a while. And, P- and the other one too, is with, with power meters and all this stuff, people see this improvement and they see these numbers and they go, oh, I'm super ready to go. I'm fit. I'm fast. Um, and there is that disconnect, right? Like fast isn't safe. It's just – it's maybe even less safe because you can get – really get in the way when you're super fit. You know, you can get right to the front of that group and, you know, be right there to make that big dumb mistake that we've all made, you know, across the railroad tracks or whatever it is, pedaling on the wet paint, right? Yeah. Um, everybody does it. It's just a question of, you know, how consequential it is to those around mm-hmm. you.
2: <laughs> and – um I'm trying to think, uh, what's some other stuff to know? You know, um, I Oh, there's a great um, USA Cycling uh, race day checklist. And I pull it up every single race mm-hmm. that I've done. And uh, someone just wrote a checklist of all the crap that you need to stuff into your car for your race. And uh, that's something that a new rider should uh, definitely take a look at. And I always make sure I have each of those items. Uh, well, okay, some of them are like, this doesn't apply to me. But... Um, I, I, you know, have a, my own sub list of that list, and I make sure every single one of those things is in the car because you will be really frustrated when you forget your helmet and yeah, or your shoes.
0: Or yeah, whatever. and this is
2: so common for a new racer is to, you know, oh my shoes and. And then you you're running around asking random, hey, do you have an extra pair of shoes? And you know, that
0: have that have the right cleats for me. Yeah, and
2: actually, it happens more often than you think. Yeah, Um, people probably do. Yeah, Yeah. and you know, even sometimes like stage races, I'll bring a second pair of shoes because, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you never know. Especially if you if you drove four or five hours for four races, Um, you don't want something to go wrong in the first race. But
1: well, another like, like you know, smart things to do give yourself enough time to warm up yep. like so many riders get popped out of their first race because they didn't warm up enough. They weren't expecting the intensity. The first race I ever did. And one of the first races I ever did the first road race I ever did was a stage race. Uh, and it was in Carter Springs. And at the time there was, so we have Lux now, which is like, you know, the junior team that kills everyone. Well, at the time there was seven 11 had a junior team and had all the super hot rods and they were coming to town and I had no idea you could suffer that much on a bike. I mean, I got, I'm sure I got dropped within, you know, mere moments. But the act of having to finish the stage because I want to do the whole stage race. So I had to finish and do the next day. You know, you, you don't know what suffering is until you do your first hard race, get popped, still have to finish, right? If it's an easy race and you get popped, you can go home, and be like, oh, I got dropped and pulled. But on that, you know, you do that first 60 mile road race that's a loop and you're 30 miles out and you get dropped and you just have to get home. Yeah. Like, that's a character builder man i think everyone should experience that it goes again it goes to that sort of pay your dues to get you know get that street credibility and everyone's done it it's part of the game
2: yeah and we did talk about the the importance of having a club if you can or uh, i'm most bike shops if they don't have a formal club will have a community with them that's sort of how they survive Uh, i think Mm -hmm. a bike shop without a community won't last very long but even that community there will be they'll point you in the right direction to the racers and if you do have a less than stellar experience in one of your races the these people who have race experience will be able to say oh we've all been there or, um and, yeah. and We've all been there. There's, yeah. there's, there's
0: nobody that's raced that's like, oh yeah, I I, I always win. I've never right. had a bad day. We, yeah. We've all been there. I've
2: never been the one who takes out half the field. Or...
1: Well, I mean, it's the same for mountain bike or, or gravel or whatever your chosen thing is. You know, it's 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 the nerve to put on a number and compare yourself to someone that takes a certain you know leap of faith to begin with. So you've already come this far. So the process of sort of maximizing your opportunity for success by doing some research and talking to some people and reaching out to a coach, like I said, or you know, there's so much resources online with videos and so forth, you can learn a whole lot. You you know, I can remember going to my first race and I had no idea about anything. And now that doesn't have to be how it is. You can sort of get your background pretty solid, including, you know, detailed race course descriptions from other people's experiences. So,
2: yeah, there are actually a lot of
0: videos for different races of people's experience. I mean, heck, you could probably go on your smart trainer and ride the whole darn
1: course. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just go pre-ride on a, your GPS. With a GPS. video. Yeah, yeah with a video. Just go pre on your GPS and make it, and then off you go on your little ride. And, you know, call me and I'll make you some custom workouts that perfectly match the educational and physiological demands of that particular course.
2: <laughs> yeah, Matt's a coach, uh, by the way.
1: Uh, yeah, I think we covered that already at least twice. So I uh, Yeah, I guess it's interesting
2: <laughs> that the um the balance here is um you you know, you don't just have to be fit. It's realizing that being a racer is very different from riding your bike. It's um, you know, how do I survive in the field? I mean the the ultimate question with bike racing is why should I be the one to cross the line first? Is is maybe one way to think about it. And um you have to sort of earn, you know. Everyone else wants to be. Why? Like, there's 50 of us. Why should it be me? And, uh, you know, the answering that question involves not crashing, because if you crash, you don't cross the line first. Um, it's also usually that's the case, yes. Yeah. But there's, there are, you know, right, Yeah, <laughs> so you can
1: crash and still come back yeah. and win the race by five minutes.
2: So um, there's these series of steps to, okay, let's survive our race. Um, let's be comfortable moving around in the field. Uh, let's be comfortable cornering and not losing two positions each corner. Um, let's, you know, take part in the sprint and, you know, stay on the bike. And, uh, and, then, and then the progression is let's figure out how to be the first person across cross the line. And I think the biggest thing for a new racer, if you are saying, hey, I should get into racing. This seems pretty fun. A lot of people like it is realizing that. It's really not your watts per kilo that determines your your success in bike racing. There is a minimum threshold of entry at the beginner level, the the category you'll be in when you first start. The barrier for entry is pretty low. I mean, I think a lot of people still get popped in their first race, but the number of people who get popped six months after they start training is a lot lower. Sure. And, and so, you know, to only put in six months of training or three months of training to be able to stay in the field is it's not that much. Uh, Cycling is a pretty slow sport uh, in terms of development, but I think that um, that's the first step: is uh, getting of the race, actually doing it, surviving it, and respecting the fact that it's you slowly have to learn and get better, and um, realizing that the best racers are the ones who know the race-specific skills, not just the watts.
0: Well, I think you've you've heard me say I don't have said this on air, but you know, in my mind, it's like yes, being fit is part of this requirement, right? It's like the, the price of admission when it comes to racing, but actually winning sometimes has to do more with sometimes being a little bit lucky, but what I call it is being clever, right? Is like, and you don't become clever in bike racing by just showing up and being fit. You have to go and train and develop specific skills and see the situations and understand how your specific skill set, your strengths and weaknesses apply there. And how you can maximize you know, the advantages that you have as a rider, and that that just comes with time. I mean, there's no there's no way around it. You have to go and have some bad races and do some things wrong, and then eventually you will see where you can do the things right. And like, oh yeah, this this is my opportunity, and I'm I'm going to take it now.
2: And I think that leads into a, a different episode. We're probably not going to cover it here, but almost uh, learning about what kind of racer you are. This stuff is. Uh... Now I'm I'm bringing it back from my first few years of racing. You have to learn, you know, what kind of races you excel in, what kind of uh, opportunities in the race are conducive to your skill set. Um, you know, do you have speed skills that are better than other people? Do you have fitness that's better than other people? Um, or uh, there's a third, there's a triangle that Joe Friel uh, came up with. I think it's
1: fitness skills and no, it's
2: um no, it's endurance and- power. Endurance, power, and speed skills is the triangle oh, that yeah. he published. So can you ride away in a breakaway? Can you sprint? Or can you figure out how to you know, drop people in the last two corners and, and get a gap for yourself? And uh, learning where you are as a rider is probably the next step. Probably once you survived your first 10 races and you get your cat four, I mean, assuming you're in the U.S. If you're not in the U.S., then know, progressing through whatever pipeline exists in your country. The next step then is kind of learning about what kind of rider you are and learning about the different race scenarios that you can take advantage of uniquely to give you an opportunity to get a, a good placing in the race.
1: Uh, isn't that the fun, right? The, you know, the higher level skilled, the better racers, the more challenging that, you know, that movement up the up the pipeline is, is highly motivating for most people, right? I don't want to be a five. I want to be a four. I want to be a three want to be a two because you know bike racers tend to be pretty self-motivated and Mm -hmm. self-interested uh so it's it's a great sport if you sort of like the challenge of figuring things out and i think most people would agree that you know initially those results are the driver racing's a driver but eventually it sort of molds to where the, the process of getting there is where the most learning comes from right you can race 50 times but the training to race 50 times gives you all that life experience that gives you the heads up to say in my 50th race, I can do this and win this and mm-hmm. done that analysis. But I we always try to focus on process with athlete development, too. So, you know, recognize you're probably not going to walk in and win your first race. Um, you'll be lucky if you walk in and, and stay in the field in your first race and, you know, don't make mistakes and get blown out. And setting those goals, you talked about setting some goals, setting some of those basic goals like, you know, can I go from the back of the field to the front of the field? Um, at will can i get to the front of the race at any point during the race can i get off the front can i try an attack you know what's the what's the outcome of that um you know can i climb all those things it's it's endlessly fascinating i've been doing it for a long time and it's still you know the the process of bike racing and figuring out how to get across the line first is still fascinating uh, it just sort of morphs into you know tactics physiology teamwork there's so many elements at play i think
0: Bike racing is just such a unique sport, right? I and mean, if you look at the most successful riders, their absolute percentage of winning is sure. it's small. It's a very small number, right? Just because there's so many people in the field. Whereas you look at other sports, like even other individual sports, really prolific athletes, they win a lot, right? right. Like how often does Usain Bolt win? Like all the time, right? During <laughs> his career. If there's a cyclist that won like that, that would be unheard of, yeah. right? And so I just think it's so, it's so unique where, yeah, you can do all the right things, and sometimes somebody is more clever than you. Sometimes you have a bad break. Uh, there's just a lot of things out there that yeah. you know you can you can learn from on any given day and any given opportunity to to ride your bike or race.
1: And it's cool stuff to play with too.
0: Yeah, And I guess that's important as well to for
2: new riders. I mean, if the the example I was given was soccer, you know, tech like 50% win rate if if you play someone who's just as good as you mm-hmm. uh, in cycling. Especially the lower categories tend to have a lot of riders <laughs> as well. You know, what, uh, 1 in 50? Right, like Right, yeah, 2% two,
0: percent at baseline? Yeah, 2%
2: chance of winning. And realizing that you have to set a different goal, maybe. And, hey, a top 5, now you're up to 10% chance if, if everyone's as good as you. And being able to frame the day differently and, hey, I stayed in the field. Hey, I didn't crash. I I felt like I was safe. I felt like I had control of my bike and I had command over what I was doing. I felt like the race was slower this time because, you know, when you first start, the race seems so fast and everyone's moving and um, you have to keep track of these three different people who are all, you know, trying to take your space. And, you know, this time it felt slower and I felt like more manageable Um, all these different ways of defining the race are really important in this sport because it's not, you know, one of these sports where, you know, even tennis is like also a 50%, you know, sport it's, it's okay. Well, I won, you know, uh, you know, clap your hands together, go home In cycling. It's, um, how do I scrape value or, or, you know, it's, it's harder to define what, success on the day was yeah
0: i think there's just a lot of small victories right that you you have to look for and like you said oh yeah the race felt easier i did this thing i i I had this specific goal that i was training or practiced with right and i I executed this this task during the race and taking those small victories and over time those actually build up to hopefully you stand on the top top step i brought
1: my shoes (laughs) yeah so sometimes
0: it's really the little things (laughs) yeah
2: i this is the fifth race in a row i brought everything i needed (laughs) that's a win yeah. And I think the big thing here is it, it takes forever to be good at, at bike racing. And there will always be someone faster than you. <laughs> and you, you'll always have a harder race. I mean, unless you're Chris Froome. Hey, if Chris Froome, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you you're know, s- yeah, <laughs> s- send us an email. But, um, y- you know, most of us are not. And you'll always have the opportunity to find a harder field. And you'll always have the opportunity to, to hone your skills and hone what makes you a n- unique rider in harder fields and, and more competitive groups. And what's fun about bike racing is this slow progression in the right direction to harder groups and to getting closer to the podium to eventually getting on the podium. This is the we did an episode on the long t- term athlete development process.
0: Two episodes, in fact.
2: Yeah, uh, we split it in yeah, two. Because
0: it's so long.
2: And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I remember seven or eight years until it's time to win to win. Like you, you race to win. And so realizing for new racers, that's something that they really don't like. They come in and and they think they're fit. They think they're flying and they want to be the one that stands on the top. Why, why shouldn't I be the one to win? And well, this guy is a cat four. He's been racing for three years now and, um, you've been racing for three months and, uh, you know, he has, you know a few more experiences than you so defining yourself in bike racing correctly and not getting dis- discouraged when the progress is slow this is how you slowly get better at the sport and you know before you know it you turn around and and you're fast and you you're really competent and you get to race in the big fields with the other fast riders and um i think that like of course i think everyone in this room really enjoys bike racing so it's important to slowly progress and not give up. And uh, of course, we want to encourage more bike racers. So,
1: well, and look for that moment within the race, right? It's it's there's always there's hopefully at least one point in the race where it's kind of clicking and you're feeling good, and maybe you you know you you pulled off that trick or you got to the end of the race, you didn't get dropped or whatever. There's there's always a takeaway and there's always some a motivator, but it's also that epiphany moment where you're like you know in mountain biking it's when you um, save yourself from a really large crash. You're like, Oh, I say I totally saved myself and it, I didn't die. Right. The same thing in bike racing when, you know, you do something right and you're like, Holy cow, that actually last time I messed that up. So, you know, there's tons of rewards through the process and, uh, yeah, process, process. Right. Yeah, Go racing.
0: I think the other thing about it is there's just so much in the sport of cycling, right? There's road biking, there's mountain biking, there's cyclocross, there's gravel racing, you know, there's track racing and on and on and on. And like there's subcategories of mountain bike racing. There's crazy ultra endurance racing. You could do all like you could master one and there's another one for you to to start basically at ground zero again and and build yourself back up. Right. Depending. And if you don't like one. Like it turns out, there's you know four, five, six, seven other varieties of it. If you're you know if you're interested to, to test out and see, and you know you might find that you like it more.
2: Yeah, I mean the the only requirement is enjoying to ride your you know enjoying yeah, yeah. riding your bike have fun.
1: You could even argue you don't have to race to enjoy your bike. Yeah, you mean, don't it's anything. wrong. It's wrong. Well, you and could. you you also can
2: race and not enjoy riding. That's I true. Think.
1: Yeah, but. well, burnout rates a, a huge one. I've seen tons of athletes that come in. They're riding, you know. 20 hour weeks out of the gate and, you know, they get the pay buff and there, I had one kid that raced for me in Colorado before I came out here. He won everything, man. He he won, Colorado at the time, Colorado Off-Road Point Series was like one step below Norba Nationals. Uh, it was like the second most prestigious guy and he won every expert race at the time. It was expert, then pro. Uh, he won every expert race in the Colorado Off-Road Point Series and was just dominant and didn't race after that. Like, well. kind of, Fumbled around with a little bit, but you know, he went so head over heels for it that he burned himself right out of it. And I don't know what he's doing now, but I don't think it's bike racing. I hope it's bike riding, but I don't think so. Well,
2: and I think that, that goes back to what we talked about. Go get a club, go find friends, find
1: some friends. It's way more fun to suffer with friends.
2: And, but also they, they help you with that kind of stuff. And they, you know, are some sort of anchor to uh, balance yourself out with and um, having the community will keep you involved in the sport we all want to keep you involved in the sport. Go
0: race your bike. It's awesome. And if you don't have other friends, you know, you got us to listen to, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Take us along. On
2: Friend the bike, simulator. Right? In the wilderness. Yeah,
1: yeah. you want to listen to it. yeah, that'd be good. Uh,
2: so, yeah, uh, that's the episode on getting into bike racing. Uh, hopefully we covered some stuff, made you feel a little more confident to get out there for your first race. Um, if you liked us, please like, review, subscribe. Um, five stars. We love I already asked this on another episode. Are we allowed to ask for five-star reviews? We're allowed to ask? Is it, you know, ethical? Who knows? So, you know... um... Hit us with the, the good comments or, you know, if you think that we did a bad job, I guess, you know, hit us with the bad comments. And
0: uh, And it's our opportunity to develop as podcasters. Yeah, bring, yeah. It, bring, it. bring it. Bring it. Podcasting, it's a really slow sport. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Long, I'm a, long-term podcaster development.
1: Cat 5 podcaster. Yeah. I think we're at, at
0: least Cat 4 now. We've well, got you enough, guys enough yeah, episodes. But I'm, a, I'm
2: a new Rook. Matt's a, a
0: Cat we're 5. Cat right, five. I
1: got a lot to learn.
0: So, uh, yeah, Todd, if you have anything else. Well, of course, thanks, Matt, for, yeah, for thanks. coming in and chatting with us a little bit. Uh, we enjoyed your insights, and hopefully you know, everybody else did too. Hopefully you know, we raised yeah, our game by, by, lot, by, right? by having you here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that one guest they had on. Gosh, was, she was terrible. Yeah. Right. You guys
1: are way cooler because you've had me now. <laughs> uh,
0: but, yeah, no, thanks, thanks for listening, as always. And until next time, keep the overside down.